You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to the Comics Hall. We've got a great show for you this week on uh, the new books of Wednesday, September 23rd. And what a Wednesday it is. Uh, We have a moderator, our lovely moderator, Cassidy, in the chats. Say hi. Thank you. Hi. As per usual, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, and Twitch. Excellent. That is all of the places we are live right now at 4 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday. But if you are listening to our podcast format, then hello, you have found us and we are available on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. We would love to have you join us live in the chat sometime. But if you can't, just check us out on social media and uh, we can uh, chat with you in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group and you can interact with some of our uh, audience participation segments. But Without further ado, we've got a lot of comic book news going into this week. Lots and lots and lots of comic book news about some awesome uh, female characters and some changes to your favorite programming. So, Paul, do you want to take us away? I sure do. Yeah. Uh, happy Wednesday, everyone. Uh, so right right up top here, DC Universe, the uh, comic book streaming app and also programmer of such shows as Titans, Swamp Thing, and of course, the Harley Quinn animated show, uh, is now switching over to what's being called DC Universe Infinite. As of January 21st, 2021, the DC Universe streaming service will become DC Universe Infinite. Uh, it's going to be a comics-only library service that provides extensive, you know, comic, uh, an extensive amount of comics uh, uh, that date back even further uh, than what we've already gotten. Uh, plus, it'll feature original comics created exclusively for the the new platform of DC Universe Infinite. The platform will also be available internationally, which is something that I know people were asking for quite regularly. <laughs> uh, and uh, now fans can subscribe for $8 a month, uh, which is $75 a year, or you can add uh, a $5 uh, subscription on top of that and you can have dc universe infinite and hbo max so um really for the price of if you got hbo max by itself like i just did <laughs> you could get <laughs> dc universe infinite and hbo max for basically the same price i'm not bitter at all <laughs> <laughs> they must have known they're like you know what um okay now we'll release it we saw paul's order just got in yeah Wonderful. we got paul's money and that's all we need uh now in in tandem with that news, Harley Quinn, the animated series, has been renewed for a third season on HBO Max. You may have heard that a lot of these series have been uh, lovingly gifted off to the CW or to HBO Max or to Sci-Fi or other channels that would be hosting the previously DC Universe exclusive originals. Um, many of them are now finding their way to HBO Max, and that will be their new home. And the exciting news with that is HBO Max is set to, once it is really fully going, set to reach a broader audience than DC Universe, especially due to the factor of the uh, international availability. Mm -hmm. So this hit animated series will get a third season, but they said that based on audience reaction, there could be even more seasons than just the third. Um, As was revealed in an interview, the first and second seasons of Harley Quinn animated were produced back to back. So they were created before the audience had any reaction to them. But seeing the popularity and the rise from season one to season two has uh, secured it a third season. So if you keep If you like the show, let them know. Subscribe to HBO Max because uh, we could be getting we could be getting a Harley Quinn animated series season six at some point. If oh, fingers crossed. I yeah I I can't I can't wait to see where they go from where they left in season two, and that's all (laughs) I will say. 
But uh, that show features one of my favorite green comic book characters of all time. But on the other side, my other favorite green comic book character last week, uh, first reported by Deadline and then confirmed both by Mark Ruffalo and then the showrunner Jessica Gao who's known for writing the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty, so you know she's got experience with green characters and it's going right. to be funny. Uh, actress <laughs> Tatiana Maslany has been cast as She-Hulk for the uh, upcoming Disney Plus She-Hulk series. Um, Tatiana Maslany is best known, of course, for um, Orphan Black. And her ability to portray different characters who are, in a way, the same person, which is an essential <laughs> quality for She-Hulk. because you have say. to You have to cast for Jennifer Walters first. The green She-Hulk CGI comes later, but you gotta have the person who can who can be those two characters. Um, and for those who don't know, she is cousin to Bruce Banner, which is why it was such mm -hmm. a big deal that uh, Mark Ruffalo welcomed her to the family. He will feature somehow in the series, but given uh, given Bruce's transformation in Avengers Endgame, it's clear that we might see a different kind of origin story for She-Hulk in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm very excited. Can't wait to see it. She was not on my short list of actresses, but I am so stoked on the choice because Marvel Marvel always knows what the fans want, whether the fans want know that they want that themselves or right. not. Uh, so that'll be that'll be so much fun. I cannot wait. Yeah, she was a uh, a wonderful surprise. And if you've seen you know Orphan Black, you know exactly what she's capable of, and she's going to just absolutely crush the role uh, as Walters, and you know crush it as. <laughs> as She-Hulk, so I can't wait. Um, Excellent. But <laughs> um, DC Comics has launched a collaboration with HBO Max to create a free digital comic uh, about a new series, about their new series, Raised by Wolves, which is exclusively being streamed on HBO Max. It's an amazing, amazing show. Uh, the comic's available... The, I'm sorry, the comic is available for free uh, on Comixology, Apple Books, Amazon Kindle, uh, and and so many other more platforms. And it's an eight-page prequel that gives more backstory and context to the show. Uh, the, common, the comic was written by Aaron uh, Goskowski and, with art by Megan Hetrick and Nick Filardi with letters by Marshall Dillon. Um, the story is about two androids on a mission from a destroyed Earth, uh, and they are humanity's best hope for the future on a distant planet. And honestly, it is a show that I I love, and I have not been binging because I want to just savor the show. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we can really expect so many more collaborations between HBO Max and DC Comics. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to see what they do next. Uh, Lovecraft Country, hopefully, is where <laughs> is what we get next. But Ooh. yeah, that's very exciting. That, that it's a very good sign uh, to see those original comics coming out of the new partnership. Yeah, very, very exciting for what it means both for viewers who like uh, comic book media to join their, their, uh, what do you right. do with comics? You read them, you know, the library. There, there we go. That's, that's the word. That's what we do uh, for <laughs> that's work, what we Amy. Do. Um, and, uh, and for fans who are hoping to see their comic books uh, take to the screen, I think there's going to be a nice uh, symbiosis there. But yes. Uh, because I am not done with She-Hulk this week, we're going to go to our panel of the week, uh, which is brought back. Uh, you guys had some fantastic suggestions for themes of our panel of the week. You can still message us on our Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group or our social media. Let, you, let us know what you would like to see us do for a head-to-head -head panel of the week showdown. Please. Um, so, uh, you know, it's been a little while. How do we do this? Do you want to explain your pick and then you're, mine and then we're, we'll go You're doing it. it. We're, we're, we're doing, doing it, it now. We're back yeah. it. Um, yes. So, um panel of the week you know me and amy you know pit our 
taste against each other. This was mine. Uh, this art is by from She-Hulk number uh, 160, written by Mariko Tamaki and drawn by uh, Federico Blee. And if you are if you're listening, uh, if you were watching this with your ears, is what I almost said <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast, um, you can see a She-Hulk, um, a gray She-Hulk, which I think is the coolest. Um, and I know Amy is very fond of it as well. Um, you can see she's got some cuts on her and she's, uh, you know, about ready to mess someone up. I wish, you know, we only get one curse word a, a show, so I'm not going to use it on this one, on, <laughs> on this panel, but it, it's fantastic. I love the uh, the lines on it. I love the action in this specifically. Um, it kind of leads your brain to think what happened before and what happens after. So, uh, you know, uh, Federico Bli did an incredible job with this, and this was my pick. Um, and just before I go to my pick really quick, if you are listening to our podcast, you will be able to find all of these visual assets that are mentioned here on the show. We'll do our best to explain them to you, but you'll be able to find them on the Sideshow blog at sideshow.com slash geek on Thursday, which would be when you are listening to the podcast anyways. Uh, so my pick of the week, I, oh my goodness, I had to go back through, I pulled out all my She-Hulk single issues and was like <laughs> lovingly going through them. Um, one of the things people forget about the character that I hope that they bring over into the Disney show somehow is that she broke the fourth wall before Deadpool did. Um, and not only did she break the fourth wall, she broke her own comic books. She broke so many rules. Um, and she had a power of comic awareness, which was uh, the fact that she knew she was in a book. And that was most famously uh, exemplified in the John Byrne run of comics. So this is a panel in which she's actually ripping from one page into the other because Marvel has erased all of her her comic book for for the sake of time and the living eraser was the villain she was fighting they erased <laughs> the page and this this is the first panel after four pages of blank book and i think this is one of the funniest moments in the john byrne run where she's ripping through the page and she says are you trying to get my book canceled you know half the fans hated this gag when you did it in alpha flight and at least there you gave them balloons and panel borders um and so it's it's, it's fun because you can also see in the panel artwork of She-Hulk behind She-Hulk. And so it is like she is a dynamic comic book character ripping mm -hmm. through the panel that is behind the page she is on. Uh, I thought it was just a really smart, good example. Um, classic green Jennifer. And there's a lot of infamous panels from that entire run. Uh, but that was my pick of the week. Now, uh, <laughs> Paul, Drum would you roll, do the honors? <laughs> All right. You guys voted, and the winner was uh, Sensational She-Hulk number 37, which is the John Byrne panel. Which is Amy's Thank pick. Thank um, you. I think people just like to see me clean up the confetti is really what it is. <laughs> um, if you're good at something, don't do it for free, I think someone said in a in a movie one time. Um, <laughs> but I, lo I do love this panel. Uh, I will say I, I put my back against the wall on this one because I think I was the one that chose She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's do it. If I can beat Amy at her own game, then I think that counts as two points. Uh, but now, alas, I it is two to two. We are tied. It is neck and neck yes, right now. But this is a, such a fun panel. If you guys want to give us more suggestions that are a little bit more even playing field. But let's let's just say that when it comes to my green girls, Poison Ivy and She-Hulk, I've got it on wrap. Uh, however, I will say the panel that you chose, I love that design. It is actually my favorite version of She-Hulk in the last decade with the, the green scars yeah, that are, represent the gamma radiation that has been um repressed that whole run where she turns gray is fantastic basically thanos yeah. punched her color out so hard in civil war ii mm -hmm. um and i do i do love that version of she hulk where she is a little bit mangier and and closer to her cousin uh in that feral energy so you you picked a good one paul i i'm 
You're like, I you had to go a good with John one. Byrne. I just picked a better one. <laughs> I had to go with John Byrne. I, that was my secret weapon. I was afraid you were also going to choose John Byrne. But enough of that. We do have some books to aim this week. And uh, that is uh, this is our, our weekly haul segment where we go into what we pulled this week. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Um, actually, this week I didn't have as many books, but I had some heavy hitters. Yes. Um, so Paul and I will each take turns going over our books. And if you guys are just joining us, the AIM system is what we like to use to review books because we find that numbers are clunky. Numbers mean something different to everybody. And and, and numbers are too close to math. Like, you're not going to trick me. I'm not going to yeah. do math on this show, Amy, no matter how many math, times you ask. The only math that I'm doing is how much I spent on these books this week. But uh, <laughs> we, So we've come up with an acronym for you guys that helps us better explain what we got out of the book and what you might want to look for going into the book. The A in AIM stands for accessibility, how easy is this to pick up and read the i is interest who would like this book what what would draw you to this title if you weren't already reading it and m is money how much does it cost what are you getting for how many pages are you getting for your your money or is it a variant cover is it more expensive what is going on with the cost of this Mm -hmm. book um, we have some interesting ones this week that i was gonna say i know amy's just get into it i know you've got words I do have people. I do have words. We'll finish. We'll finish up my She-Hulk streak. This week was a big week for She-Hulk. Obviously, yes. um, the first book I would like to give you my aim review of and, and give you the aim of the book is the Immortal She-Hulk number one. If you're reading Marvel comics, you actually might be familiar with the Immortal subtitle being part of the Hulk series right now. Al Ewing is doing a fabulous story of, that really brings the Hulk back to its monster roots. But She-Hulk has largely escaped this due to the fact that she is the smarter prettier hulk who generally retains her her mental abilities while her cousin is dealing with dying and literally going to hell the the next family reunion is going to be pretty awkward um <laughs> this was written by al ewing with art by john davis hunt and colors by marcio Meniz. Uh, this is a one shot it does actually come from the tail end of the empire event which was also written by al ewing however for accessibility it is a one shot that does a fantastic job of kind of explaining everything you would need to know about the character at this point it gives you a really nice um kind of quick summary of the immortal hulk events which i'm not reading immortal hulk and i found this completely accessible oh good it it does touch back on what happened in empire as kind of the catalyzing instance that causes jennifer to contemplate her own mortality or mm. immortality as the title might suggest and it also recaps civil war ii um so this is a great kind of overview actually of the last couple of years for she hulk I found it very accessible. Um, it does help to have a passing familiarity with the Empire event, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not necessary from what I found. Um, in terms of interest, if you liked Empire, this is a great choice. If you like the character of She-Hulk, I think this is a perfect, uh, like I said, recap of what's happened, but also a, a tasty little morsel of, of what might be coming soon. It's been a little while right. since we've had a She-Hulk solo title. This is a one-shot. It is not ongoing, but it leaves the green door open, huh? If you read, if you read it, you will know. <laughs> when when one uh, when one event, you know, window <laughs> closes, a giant green door opens. I think is the <laughs> yes, it does leave the green door open for what could be coming in She Hulk's future. And then because it is a one shot and it is tied to an event, it is slightly pricier. But I do believe the page count is a little a little bit bumped up, maybe two mm. or three extra pages. Uh, but it is four ninety nine which is slightly larger than the standard $3.99 for an issue, but uh, highly worth it. And also it's got a bevy of variant covers that are all cover price, um, or at least they were at our store. I don't know if other stores will price them up, but there was an amazing Alex Ross variant that I picked up. Uh, There are some 
really cool, like really gritty, like monsterified versions of She-Hulk. Uh, so you can pick up which version you like nice. best. And one note, if you pick up Marvel Comics this week, you will notice there is a really nice touching tribute banner to Chadwick Boseman at the top of every comic. They did this similarly when Stan Lee passed away. Um, it's just it's just a nice little thing to see. And it does have the Black Panther um, symbol at the top of the comic. I loved this. I loved this one. It was great. I mean, I'm I'm glad that it's that She-Hulk is coming back around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks uh it looks fantastic. I love the team on it and I love that um since I was, you know, someone I'm not as familiar with She-Hulk as you are that it it does kind of like you said kind of wrap everything up for you with a nice green bow. Which is which is needed especially with within books like this with continuity. Speaking of huge books within continuity uh the book i am going to aim uh for you all is dark knight's death metal speed metal number one uh this is written by joshua williamson art by eddie barrows and colors by adriana lucas um this is an absolutely insane book now as far as the accessibility goes we sort of treat accessibility uh, on on two sides of the coin. One is how easy can you pick it up and read and understand it, and how easy is it to find? I think with it's safe to say, Amy, with Mortal She Hill, you could probably find it right now if you just went yeah. and picked it up. Like she said, there's a ton of variants. Yeah, people um, probably ordered enough, but it's also not rushing off the shelves that you right. would need to have picked it up by now. Yeah, and so uh, with Speed Metal as well, um, there are a ton of of these probably ordered. However, there aren't as many variants. For this one, as or at least that I've seen, there is a really f- incredible Peach Momoko variant uh, uh, of this that is going for a hefty price. So if you can find that at your shop, that's great. Uh, there, you should be able to find um, Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal pretty easily. Uh, now, as far as how easy is it to pick up and read, uh, it's not. <laughs> to, I'm just going to be <laughs> quite honest with you. Uh, there are some there's there are some stipulations here when reading this. If you have been reading joshua williamson's i would say honestly iconic run on flash he's the only artist uh i I guess we can call this a flash fact amy but he's the only person left standing from rebirth who's written number one still going joshua williamson has not missed a book wow um and he ended his run today with flash uh 762 i believe which he didn't write you know 762 they switched up the 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 numbering quite a while ago (laughs) it's a whole thing maybe we'll do a whole show on comic book uh numerology but um but yeah if you're reading joshua williamson's run even from flash 750 you're gonna love this book if you are a fan of the flash um sorry I, i jumped right into uh interest but uh as, as far as accessibility, if you have a passing knowledge of Flash and you are reading the Death Metal uh, event, you can pick this book up and be totally fine. Um, now, as far as interest goes, uh, I did have, uh, if you're a fan of the Flash, like I said, as a character, uh, you have to absolutely pick this book up. Uh, there are so many iconic Flash, uh, Flash family members, moments, uh, little callbacks to different runs even some stuff that williamson did way back before rebirth um there's there's a ton of it i mean it's it's absolutely great uh i i mean i love this it's a really personal story within the flash family uh really about wally west literally trying to not literally but you know uh i'd say emotionally try to outrun 
Barry's uh, Barry Allen's shadow. He always feels like whatever he does, he you know he's good, but he'll never be Barry Allen, the Flash. And so this is a this Joshua Williamson really is at the top of his game here, writing that because he's also wrapping up his Flash run uh, today. That that book is also out. Um, so it's absolutely great. It's it's nonsensical and it's everything that you <laughs> want for um, from a tie-in event uh, like. There are other tie-in events. I would say it is essential to really understanding the death metal event. Like I said, this could really be treated as Dark Knight's death metal 3.5. Oh, uh, I, yeah, it it is it is um, it is essential. I would say just like Trinity Crisis was when I covered that one. Uh, was that like maybe two weeks ago? Um, if you want to know what happens in this whole uh, crazy event, you're going to want to pick these up. And then as far as the uh, M in AIM, the monetary value, it's $5.99. Uh, it's 48 pages. So you are getting a little more bang for your buck. They're they're really great. And they are, there is a lot. I mean, you're getting a lot. You're getting a lot of art. Uh, you're getting some great, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, exposition in this book <laughs> from uh, Joshua Williamson. And honestly, uh, I don't know him that well, but I want to go back and read anything that Eddie Barrows has ever done. Um, because his art and his line work is fascinating and I love his character design on the flash. Um, and it's a one shot, so you can pick this up and, uh, you know, wipe your hands, what <laughs> wipe your hands of it, but it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Speaking of exposition, uh, <laughs> it, that, that pun works on a lot of levels. Uh, the it next sure book does. that I would like to, to give you the aim of is 10 of swords creation number one but you will be seeing it on your shelves as x of swords uh this is just like the great uh is it powers of 10 or powers of x debacle of last summer uh but this is the (laughs) 10 of swords creation from marvel written by jonathan hickman and teeny howard with art by pepe laraz and colors by marte gracia uh now if you recognize the names hickman and laraz that is because they were part of i mean jonathan hickman has been ushering in this entire new x-men uh, era for Marvel, which is really cool. Like, I don't yeah. know how to better put it. I know there's everybody has their favorite part in the X Men history, but as someone who was too afraid to jump into X Men stories until House of X Powers of Ten, this mm-hmm. is cool. This is, yep. like, even if this wasn't X Men, this would be the most deliciously complex, like, comic book universe with the the world of Krakoa they have set up now if you're not familiar with Teeny Howard you should be fix that but she has <laughs> been tackling the Excalibur series for Marvel and she has done a number of other fantastic series she's working on the Vampire the Masquerade books from Vault Comics currently she's also known for Euthanauts and Assassinistas and a number of other independent titles but I I, I beg you to become familiar with Teeny Howard one of my favorite current writers because she's that fantastic. will uh, that will affect your interest in the book because her with her powers combined with Hickman, we're going to get a crazy, crazy event going on here. So accessibility, I, I actually really like that they they have taken the time with these X-Men books to create checklists that go in the back and like let you know what chapter is next. Uh, it is essential with these X-Men titles. <clears throat> you get warned right away. This is number one of 22 parts. This is this summer's big X-Men event. So if you were not reading Empire, if you're not planning on reading King and Black, make Ten of Swords your event for the summer. Um, or if you just love events, here's another one for you. Um, <laughs> so it is the this this one is tough. This is kind of like the Dark Knight's death metal, speed metal, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't remember all the words in the order. Um, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a big commitment. Um, and it's it's a tough it's a tough read if you weren't already following the event. Um, 
it does require you to have a familiarity with what is going on in the X-Men universe. And not only like, not only does this affect just the general X-Men, it is very specifically being fed from Excalibur. So you kind of want to be a little bit familiar with Excalibur. It's a one shot, but it is a very, very, very dense book. It is massively oversized. I'm going to actually jump to the M in AIM uh, just because I want to let you know this is a $6.99 book. This is more than a this is more than a $4.99 one shot. This is more than a $5.99 event book that, that Marvel likes to do sometimes. This is a $6.99 comic book. So you want what to be absolutely the sure. Actual page count on that. I'm not to put you on the spot, but that I mean a- is it- Good question. It's probably um, about sixty-two pages, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's it it it's definitely hefty. It's almost about twice the size of a normal uh, issue. I don't know if if we might be able to research the page count while I'm talking here. Yeah, how- but um, oh, and we do have a question from the audience about Ten of Swords. Okay. Cassidy, you want to swing that by before I go into a diatribe? Oh, you're good. No, um, Anthony Jacob Art on Instagram wants to know, can you pick this up as a first issue for the story? So this nope. is this is the first issue of Ten of Swords. If this is your first X-Men issue, I would actually say run away because I you're gonna you're gonna go well, where where are Wolverine and my favorite X-Men? Uh, right. But this is it does say on the the cover. This is part one of twenty two. Um, there have been a number of Marvel comics over the last couple of weeks for the X-Men series that say road to 10 of swords. And they mm-hmm. will let you know that that's kind of the general, those are the ones you should be looking at to get a sense of what the heck is about to go down here. Um, right. it's going to be a big, uh, a big event. And we do have the page count. It is 66 pages. So to 60, okay. it is, it is triple the size of a normal issue for about double the price. Yeah. So, so. It's a good investment if you're reading X-Men and you intend to go through this event. If you're not, it's it's a little bit of a harder sell. Shouldn't mm-hmm. scare you away from that, though. If you if you loved what Jonathan Hickman has done so far, if you loved Powers of Ten and House of X, pick this up. And, and again, I'm so stoked that Teeny Howard is working on this. Teeny Howard is, um, she really loves the kind of macabre, the witchy. Uh, she really likes those... Uh, darker x-men characters like apocalypse and uh this event features a lot of opal luna saturnine who is a kind of deep cut character for excalibur fans uh she is kind of the majestrix of otherworld which is the high camelot arthurian side of the world that hates uh mutants i mean everybody Mm -hmm. hates mutants in this world but um so she's drawing a lot from the major arcana of the tarot and doing a lot of mystical witchy stuff with this story which is going to be really cool however a lot of people have been confusing opal luna saturnine with emma frost i assure you emma frost is not the villain of this story that we know of this is a a totally different character who uh features heavily in the excalibur universe so there's a lot going on here but it is fun i Personally, don't know if I'll be able to keep up with all 22 chapters, but I, I eagerly look forward to it. I'm already reading Marauders and Excalibur and the main X-Men title, so I'm going to see if that gives me enough of the event. Uh, and if it doesn't, then we'll see what's going on. Um, we do have a question about who's front and center on Ten of Swords. So um, this is Apocalypse on the, uh, then, the collect- uh, collector's edition cover. It's the general uh, yeah. cover. Um but I picked up I picked up the variant this week actually that was a Russell Donnerman variant that does feature ten different characters holding ten different famous swords from the X Men universe, which is actually a right. lot of fun. So we've got the Muramasa blade, and then we've got like um, the um, Betsy right. Braddock's like energy swords and stuff. Right. Um, so the event is going to be about Apocalypse, and he does seem to have four new horsemen, uh, and he is 
uh, combating Krakoa with his own coven Arako, um, mm-hmm. or his own island Arako, and then he does have coven Akaba. So that's where we start getting weird. But it yeah. is Apocalypse. It's it's going to be a big Apocalypse event. He actually has a new name in the X Men comics, but it is not for for humans to pronounce. It's written in the new Krakoan script, which is really cool. Uh, is cool. But yeah. but we don't know how to say that name. It's it's not for it's not for the uh, inferior people of the marvel universe um (laughs) this this is the start of a really big adventure building up so uh it's it's gonna be a lot if you're in it go for it i highly recommend Mm -hmm. it i have loved everything about the x-men stuff currently but be warned it's a lot (laughs) yeah you know we uh right before the show just so everyone knows we were actually debating between this book and another book for what our pick of the week is but i felt like if we made uh ten of swords our pick of the week we would just have to explain the whole time, like what you need to know before you read this book. Um, and there's there's quite a bit. And as someone I can tell you out there, I before Hickman's X-Men run, I never read X-Men. The only X-Men really that I ever read was Old Man Logan. Um, and that's really it. Uh, Death of Wolverine I, I read, but it was all very like, oh, I know this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would uh, I would say from what I read, you could, if you've read Hawksbox, uh, House of, you know, House of 10. House of X, Powers of 10. House of X, Powers of 10. Um, and you have kept up with Hickman's core uh, X-Men book. I think you can just jump right into this book and be fine. Yeah. Would highly recommend at least the Excalibur, just also because it's it's swords and sorcery and a lot of fun. But that, that fun. will set a lot of the status quo. But a lot of it has been uh built up in basically the read the books that the writers have been taking care of everything else will follow like marauders and hellions and x-factor those will follow but um excalibur and the main x-men but again i i I agree i wasn't reading x-men before this i read books like generation x and rogue and gambit and kind of those fringe titles that weren't really the main continuity but this Mm -hmm. is this is the kind of i mean this is the x-men that i understand at this point yeah as far as I know, this is my X-Men. This is my like definitive X-Men. So um, yeah, I love it. And I, I love a good Hickman, uh, Hickman event. Uh, like Amy, I will do my absolute best to try to keep up with it. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best to try to keep up with it for all of you and just maybe, you know, just peek through the curtain and see, hey, what's going on in, you know, Ten of Swords and then pop back out because it is a lot. And uh, we just got done with Empire. So yeah, we're still recovering. <laughs> Uh, um, all right. So for the next book that I uh, that I wanted to aim for all of you is a book very near and dear to me, especially since I realized it was the first book I ever aimed on the comics. Like with the with with when me and Amy were still just in the chat cave, which means <laughs> nothing to so many of you. Uh, this was the first book that I like begged people to read. It's Undiscovered Country uh, by Charles Soule, Scott Snyder, uh, Giuseppe Caminoli, uh, Caminoli, and. Uh, Leonardo Marcello Grassi and colors by uh, Matt Wilson, who I know Amy loves. Oh yeah. Um, this book is incredible. Uh, as far as the aim of this book, the accessibility, you should be able to pick it up everywhere. I think it is, I'm not saying it's like a flagship image book, but it's, it's getting there. Um, it's, it's got a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot of love all over. Uh, I absolutely adore this book as well. Um, now, obviously, you can't just jump into issue number eight and, you know, pick it up and be totally fine. But, you know, when I was really thinking about it, this is the second book 
in the new arc. So one through six was fantastic. It actually takes place. Uh, you find out in this book in one particular zone. Um, you could theoretically pick up just issue seven and eight and sort of and understand because they do give some exposition behind what's happened because the last I think issue didn't come out. Uh, the last issue came out, I believe, around May. Uh, so, you know, it's had some time. So they, you can tell Scott Snyder added an extra page in there just to explain. Hey, remember, this is sort of what's happened. You mean Charles um, Stoll? Uh, no, so S- Scott Snyder. Oh, Scott so, Snyder? Yeah, okay. so they, they co-write it. Uh, Charles oh. Stoll is plotting it, and Scott Snyder is writing uh, the book. So, I shouldn't um, have doubted you. <laughs> I thought you were back on the death metal. <laughs> you thought I was I was doing a uh, Amy, it's Matt Murdock. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, but uh yeah, so uh for what that means is Charles Soul basically is big picture and Scott Snyder is writing, you know, the the day-to-day, if you will. He's actually writing all the the words that you're reading. Oh. Um and yeah, so they they're co-writing this book. They're two incredible writers, um, especially, you know, Scott right now at the top of his game. He's arguably one of the biggest writers right now. And he's still, you can tell, uh, giving so much time and effort and love into this book because uh, this book means a lot to him as well. It took him a long time to get this off the ground. Um, now, as far as interest goes, as far as I would say Undiscovered Country as a whole, um, it's definitely probably in my top five of ongoing comics right now. It's it's one of my favorites. It's in my top five. Easy. Um, I I like to say that Scott Snyder is, uh, as far as comic book talent, he's an ROS. That's what me and a buddy used to say, which means like um, rain or shine, like you'll pick a book up that they do. So he's like an ROS writer for me. You know, um, I'm sure Amy has some like I said, ROS writers and artists and people that like, it doesn't matter what they do. Like I've mm-hmm. got to read it at least. And Scott oh, yeah. Snyder's like that for me. And I, I picked this book up. Um, I actually missed out on uh, Comic-Con this year when they gave out free samples of it. And I wish I could have read it, but they also announced then before the book was even out that let me make sure I get the new Republic pictures um, is actually, they shopped it around and new Republic pictures actually won uh, what the, I don't know. What do you do? Do you do in a pink slip for this? <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, yeah, so New Republic Pictures is responsible for movies like uh, 1917, Hacksaw Ridge, Black Swan and Black Mass. Uh, they they did those movies. And so they want to turn this into a saga. Uh, I think ideally a trilogy, probably. But before, you know, they read Scott's uh, Scott and Charles Soule's plot way back when, before the book was even out months and months before. And they're like, yes, we want to own that uh, because it's great. So um, it's absolutely fantastic. I I tell folks, if you like uh, The Man in High Castle and if you like Mad Max Fury Road, either of those two properties you really enjoy, you will love this book. I promise you. Uh, the first issue is a lot of exposition and then it just kind of like hits the ground running because basically the United States uh, bars itself in. It doesn't let anyone in or out and it just happens one day. And that's the story. Uh, you don't know why. You don't know when. Time works different in there. It's a whole thing. Um, but it's fantastic and you should be reading it. And as far as the M goes and AIM, the monetary investment, each issue is 32 pages and it's only three ninety nine. dollars uh, It's a standard issue. I mean, it's a standard uh, cost for the issues. And uh, I really, really think this is a book that everyone should be reading. Um, and I am fairly certain that 
when in my lifetime, hopefully it has turned into a award-winning, you know, trilogy of films. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those who might be unfamiliar, actually, um, general length of a comic book, when you take out all the ads and such, is about 22 to 24 pages. So right. um, sometimes with the 32 it may may include the advertisements or like the the back material that would be like sometimes character sketches make their way in there yeah um or or interviews with the writer um but yeah so when we when we note the page count generally about 24 pages of story is what you usually get for 399 mm-hmm. i think yeah. that's a good good metric to to keep keep track of exactly and i'm sorry really fast it's the the back matter on this has been some of my favorite because a like the first it has a timeline of like you know two months before what's called the ceiling which basically means the united states sealed itself in Mm. and it says like this happened and this happened and then this happened and then also in some of the back matter it's uh interviews with people who now live in the united states and they're like i think it's great and then they interview them again like you know 10 months later and they're like oh the whole everything has changed and it's really great to kind of add, add and build that lore into it um and i just think it's really great and undiscovered country is a book you should all be reading okay yeah i think and another note that is important to to note before we go to our pick of the week is um sometimes when you go to trade paperback format uh mm-hmm. these these issues to keep the the trade costs down they remove the back matter so if you're yes. if you are interested in getting that experience with the unique covers and the interviews and the behind the scenes material single issues are what you're going to be most interested in if you don't mind so much you can go for the trades and a lot of trades do include some degree of back material like character sketches um they usually leave out the letters columns or interviews but um a lot of them are also really good about doing a gallery of all the covers that that were yeah. available for those issues. So you lose something, but you also gain something as well by getting the whole story in one go. So however you want to access these comics and then whether you're buying them physical or digital, that's what whatever serves you best is yes. uh, is the way to do it. Now, we do have our pick of the week for the weekly haul. This one's a big one, not only in terms of the scope of its release, uh, but the current availability and what the heck is going on with the aftermarket. I what the it, heck it, is going on? I'm so excited. I, I, I'm like I'm I'm saying I'm excited. We finally got to this. Like it's not in our script, and it's not like what we are actually going to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what is happening? I mean, this book already even cover A, which is um, if you're watching right now, you can see that's what Amy has behind her. This yes, um, this is the autumnal. Sorry, we haven't said the title. This is the autumnal oh, yeah. <laughs> from Vault Comics. You know, this book. This book is crazy. Um, the autumnal <laughs> number one from Vault Comics, written by Daniel Krauss, with art by Chris Sheehan and color by Jason Wordy, who, yes. whose name always makes me think he's the letterer, but he is the colorist. <laughs> so the autumnal. to be a joke with, with the, that. Yeah. So I, I do have uh, one of the, I actually think I have a variant cover behind me. Uh, I don't know the artist on the variant cover. I did just uh, grab it. But what you guys are seeing, if you're watching this, the screen right now, what you will see if you join us on the blog uh, for the visual assets is actually the second printing cover by uh, Martin Simmons, who recently did uh, he did covers, I believe he did art for Punk is Not Dead, but he also did the covers oh, for okay. the uh, Kelly Thompson, Jessica Jones. That's where I know him from. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the fact that this is already in a second printing should tell you everything you need to know. But a accessibility, you're going to you guys are going to we we woke up this morning and found that this book is nearly sold out everywhere. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I think it was probably like not, maybe nine, ten o'clock. And Amy was like, "Did you get a copy of this book?" <laughs> because I mean, we wake up and on Twitter, it's like it's already they're already gone, and uh, people, you know, the you know, uh, 
uh, aftermarket Twitter loves to show like what the current cost is. And now again, like uh, the prices are subjective, but I mean, the fact that this book literally just came out hours ago and is already, you know, it's, it's gone up by, I don't know, this isn't a math show, but 1000%, 1 million percent. Uh, it's, it's, it's impressive. Um, now I think, should we maybe get into sort of, Amy, do you want to let them know what the plot is at least? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, so first for accessibility story-wise, story-wise, this is a true number one, which is what we like to say about independent comics. Um, basically if, if an independent comic ever asks you to have read something before, uh, it's not so independent it's part of a shared universe um but creator owned stories uh will generally set up everything you need to know uh right from the get-go and this is a brilliant setup of a uh a horror mystery narrative um and like our previous Stillwater review from a week or two ago it's a it's a small town horror mystery set against the backdrop of a, a town and the characters go into this town not knowing what is going on and so we see the strangeness from from uh their perspective uh, right. This town boasts the most beautiful autumn time in the United States, and so we we do already have that fall and the very rich orange theme uh, that's going on. And we meet a mother and her daughter. Uh, we don't get all of the details, but we get the fact that the her daughter is troubled and is on medication mm-hmm. for outbursts, and the the mother may be in a situation of domestic abuse. Uh, if themes like that, if if you're going into a horror book, you should be prepared for uncomfortable themes. But I do I do note. Right mostly we're we're so often dealing with the supernatural uh, but be advised there are themes of domestic abuse and and uh violence in this as well uh mm-hmm. but beyond that uh there is a lot of body horror or or hints at body horror which yes. i actually really like i i like a really very super specific, compelling specific subgenre of floral horror uh <laughs> so if you were a fan so i'll get to the interest but like annihilation where you've got plants literally erupting out of people Ooh, and like you nice. do see in this martin Sim- simmons cover you do see this figure who i won't spoil who that is uh but with someone who's got flowers and, and tree branches erupting from their mouth mm-hmm. um so accessibility the first printing has sold out uh yes. and when we say sell out at the distributor level, your store can't go back to Diamond and say, can we get another first printing? Because Diamond has no more. They may right. still have copies on the shelves, but it is flying fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will go into a second printing, so you can check that out. And it is always available digitally. Digitally, it, uh, the editions do not sell out. It is always available, so you can check it out on Comixology. However, I don't advise going to the aftermarket for this. I, if if you If you're a completionist and you really want the first printing, that's <laughs> on you. But for some reason, your this prerogative. Book, is going for forty to fifty dollars on the aftermarket right now, and, and, and that's all covers. Uh, I was I was checking, uh, the lowest I found was about thirty five dollars for cover A. Um, crazy. I don't get it. I don't. I I mean, it's a fantastic book, obviously, because we chose it as our pick of the week. Um, I just don't know. Does someone know something we don't know? Like, is it being IP like IP farmed? Has it been shopped or? I don't know. Because like Bitterroot, Bitterroot is is going to be made into a film or or I think it's a film with legendary pictures. But the first mm-hmm. issue, first printing is still only $10 in the aftermarket. It just yeah. probably maybe because Vault is a smaller publisher. Um, but this it's is also awesome. let this be your warning to keep an eye out for what Vault's doing because it has been quite a long time since a book has garnered this much buzz yeah. uh, and and hit the aftermarket in such a bizarre fashion on the day of its debut. Uh, that's usually only reserved for Marvel debuting a new character that people are think mm-hmm. are gonna 
uh, really kind of explode. But Vault is is known for, I mean, I covered finger guns, love finger guns to death. Um, you covered Heavy uh, last right. week from them, and they are also known for Heathen. They've done Frendo and Test, uh, and they've they've got a lot of really great independent stuff going on. Um, they also specialize in the specific sci-fi fantasy horror, so you're mm-hmm. not going to see as many big superhero books from them unless it's a superhero book with a specific twist, but they are not interested in doing the big shared universes. They are focused on compelling independent stories. Right. And I think uh, autumnal, <laughs> uh, which I was calling it incorrectly, autumnal. It is not that. <laughs> it is autumnal. Um, I I really enjoyed it specifically because I love I love that small town horror. Um, I finally I finally read I think last Friday Stillwater, um, and I definitely see. Uh, I mean, there's definitely no influence. I don't think there could be because they came out almost exactly the same time. But I can see now, like, wow, I. I have a, a whole new uh, appreciation for an entire genre of horror that I didn't even know. I mean, it definitely subverts your expectations as to what sort of horror looks like. Um, there is there. I mean, there's so many great lines in this um, in this comic specifically, but I think what it does well uh, the most is, that, is does that make sense? D- d- what it does well the most does best. Do what it does best. Thank you. It's been a <laughs> it's been a long uh, it's been a long week already, and um, I think what it does best uh, for me is it sort of in passing sets up a very terrifying lore, um, especially and it presents it in a way. And again, we are a spoiler free show and podcast, so I will not spoil anything um, if I can help it. Chances are it'll probably be me spoiling something before Amy ever does, but. Um, <laughs> It sets it up in a way that you're like, that is somehow more terrifying uh, in how you are explaining this lore. I think it's safe to say, though, it does follow in the classic footsteps of, of let's let's say, Nightmare on Elm Street. In right. the fact that the horror genre is acutely aware of the fact that little kids are creepy as hell. <laughs> yes. And childlike things juxtaposed with with horror create far more unsettling results than like an adult serial killer who you're like, okay, this is a guy with a knife. It's a crazy axe murderer. When the, when the horror gets to the childhood realm, that's when, uh, that's when it gets really deeply unsettling. So yeah. I, think, I think that's what it does really effectively. Yeah. And I, I looked at it as <laughs> it's like if somehow Stephen King got to write empire, <laughs> it's it's uh or that's, steve that's or steve king mashup. wrote uh halloween town the the wonderful disney film it reminds me of that town like that's what i thought of oh my in god autumnal is that like sleepy sort of like hey this town is beautiful but we also don't like outsiders um very well, much. i look forward to the autumnal issue too calabar's revenge <laughs> yeah. uh, no but you're you're absolutely right it does have that very enclosed environment feel um, and i think headed into the fall it is the it is the perfect book to right. launch in the fall uh as we're headed into the horror season um and so i think we're kind of transitioning into the interest here uh like i mentioned if if you liked stillwater from the other week which i think i think it was last week i'm getting all my weeks last week. up. If you yeah. like uh, stillwater check this out make the jump um, and if you liked the film Annihilation, if you like the book, you're, you're cool people. You and I are, are simpatico. But if you liked the movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman and Tessa uh, Thompson, um, that idea, again, of the unsettling nature that 
somehow finds its way inside of you, uh, you're gonna you're gonna want to keep your eyes on this. Right. And then I would say I'm gonna I'll pose a question out to everyone. And Amy, we're we're running low on time, so you can tell me after. But if you had to buy a condo in one city, in uh in the city in autumnal or in Stillwater, where would you buy your condo? <laughs> that is not our holler at the hall question. No, it is I, not. But I like it enough for us to we should post that one in the Facebook group later. <laughs> just just as a, a fun teaser. Um, where is your timeshare taking you? Um, and the M for this week again. It's a three ninety nine book. So if you if you go for the digital copy, it's three ninety nine. Please yep. try to avoid scalpers if you can. While I believe truly that this book is worth every penny, <laughs> anything beyond the three ninety nine price is not benefiting Vault Comics. So right. wait yeah. for the second printing if you can. Support your local comic book store. Mm-hmm. Call around to different stores. Yeah, see. I mean, sell them, sell them out. Make sure that they get the money because if you mm-hmm. go to the aftermarket, it is not benefiting the publisher, and, and that. It, I, I get sad when I see things like this because it does make it difficult for people to buy the book who right. want to read it. So 100%. check it out. Actually, I, I do believe um, – sorry, this just occurred to me. Um, the two owners of Vault Comics are Damien and Adrian Wassel. They are brothers. Uh, Damien did post today, if you were trying to get a copy of The Autumnal and your store sold out early, he said message him on Twitter. I don't know if this offer is still good, but he said he wants to give people something to tie them over until the second printing comes mm-hmm. out. More than anything, Damien and Adrian want to get good books into the hands of the people. Uh, so do check them out. And also check them out because they are constantly posting the, mm-hmm. the pre-order cutoff dates for other books that they are producing. Uh, and you yeah. want to keep an eye on those. Yeah, definitely check this book out. If the owners of Vault Comics are telling you, I will give you this book or set something up, you should be reading that book. Yeah, it's I and I wholeheartedly believe I had pre-ordered the first issue but i went back and told uh our local store i need everything every issue going on from this because it it was just that good Mm -hmm. so i think we are fading into our holler at the hall time we should we should get to the real question that we asked uh (laughs) while you're all still thinking about the condos the holler at the hall segment is where we ask you a question and we want to hear back we will read some of your responses online or on the air um we do love to hear from you and otherwise it's just a great way to start a discussion so Paul, do you want to remind us of what we asked them last week? Yes, we said uh, with the December with the December comic book solicitations coming out from Marvel, DC, and more, what new and upcoming books slash events are you most excited for? And we did have some responses. Uh, Matthew Weekly, uh, sorry, because we couldn't choose all of them, so we just chose a couple. Uh, Matthew Weekly said Death Metal, Daredevil, and Endless Winter. Endless Winter being DC's next big event. Um, that takes place in December. Kelsey Linclary said Black Cat, and we did cover Black Cat in the solicitations last week. That is the return of her ongoing series, and it will yes. directly tie in to the King and Black event. Right. More events going on, but it is the <laughs> return of the solo series for Felicia Hardy, so that's pretty fun. And then we had uh, Andrew uh, Worshborn and Sith Lordly say they're both excited for the Ten of Swords event, which just started uh, Congratulations, today. Congratulations, so, gentlemen. Here it yeah, is. You're in the end game now. You're, you're, you're there. Read well, all of them. The end game is one of 22 issues, but uh, I <laughs> well, look forward to to following that event and, and talking about it with you guys as well. And then 14 Wellington chimed in with Reckless by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And this is, we, we even pulled the image tagline for this book, sex, drugs, and murder in 1980s Los Angeles and the best new twist on paperback pulp heroes since The Punisher or Jack Reacher. 
So if that doesn't sell you on that book, I don't know what will. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think, uh, two of three of their, no, that's three of three of their original graphic novels that uh, Brubaker and Phillips are doing. They're pumping out three original full-size hardcover graphic novels somehow in this whole year. So they are two very busy gentlemen. And they're great. Pulp was fantastic. I mean... Man, like you look at you look at creators like Alan Moore, like especially Alan Moore, and you're like, this man is a genuine wizard. But mm-hmm. looking at these people like Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard and Brubaker and Phillips and all of these people who just keep saying, Oh, there's the bar, I'm gonna jump higher. Like we are we are surrounded by wizards and and warlocks and witches and however they identify as the <laughs> magical makers of comics. Um, because people these people are doing Herculean, Herculean feats. Uh, yes, and it's they amazing. Are. So we do have another question for you guys this week, uh, and it was kind of spurred on by, uh, I guess, we didn't cover a, a cover story segment this week, but but the amount of variant covers we've seen coming through, and this question will come up, I'm sure, multiple times throughout the hall, because it's good to check in every once in a while. Uh-huh. But do you collect variant covers? If so, how do you choose which ones to collect? Is it based on the artist, the character, the rarity of the cover itself? Let us know. If you've got pictures, please share them, because we can share your images online. Um, now, you'll want to respond to us. We will post that up in our Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. Um, do you know the what's, what is our short link for that Facebook group? It is side.show forward slash geek group. That's side.show forward slash geek group. G-E-E-K-G-R-O-U-P. And apart from being uh, not only one of the closest and fastest places to reach Paul and myself for comic book discussion, it is a fantastic moderated community of uh, geek and collecting positivity. Yes. People talk comics, memes, video games, everything. So we highly encourage you to check that out. Um, so we will post that and our panel of the week votes up in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. But if mm-hmm. you do want to reach out to us and holler at us in a different place, you can email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. Or you can hit us up on social media. We are at the Comics Hall on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We will be sharing images from these covers and more. We'll be posting up some of our AIM reviews on social as well, and mm-hmm. anything else that we can think of. And we do. I'm I'm dying now to hear if anyone has read both the Autumnal and Stillwater. I want to know which which creepy little town you would you would rather get a all expenses paid vacation condominium, etc., and, and be forced to live in that creepy little horror town. Um, I'm sure that we'll pick our answers and then issue two will come out for each of those series and blow our choices out of the water. <laughs> it's like I'm buying in LA. Actually. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sublet somewhere yeah. else. Good. But uh that was this week. There's a lot of new number ones out this week from a, a dozen different publishers. So we highly recommend you walk the walls, whether virtually or at a safe uh, capacity in a physical sense. Let us know what you're reading this week. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Again, you can catch us Wednesdays live on all of Facebook, uh, on all of Sideshow's official channels, including Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube. I think that's the main uh, group of them. But the, that the is... Living Tribunal, I think, streams us. I'm not uh, sure. You no, know, I think they pick us up in the Mojoverse, actually. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is 4 p.m. Pacific every Wednesday, New Comic Book Day. And then you can catch us on all of your favorite podcasting channels on Thursdays with the blog, with our visual assets to follow. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining us and keeping touch with us every Wednesday. New Comic Book Day is the best day of the week. It is how I tell time every week. Oh, yeah. So... I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. 
Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Sideshow.